we've finally done it, Ross. We got you on. My whole plan this entire time was to make this into a stealth NBA podcast project. Oh, frick, I knew this, it. We're just going to talk about the NBA. No! No! <laughs> so, um... Recently, the uh, w- uh, <laughs> the Lakers have not been great. Wizards, they're falling apart. <laughs> it's Already. a giant disaster. Five games into the season. I'm going to start my own podcast. Does someone um, want to be my co-host because I'm abandoning well, Ty, what I have I now. can't believe we actually missed the most important thing, which is that the Spurs suck now. Yeah. We Woo. did it. Oh, oh, Spurs, I hate this. The Spurs it. hate cast. That's yes. what we're calling it. <laughs> Yes. Um, this the new name of this podcast is Down with the Spurs. <laughs> what yes. hath I wrought? <laughs> we did it. Thank you so much. 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 Okay. Star Trek Into Darkness is one of the best Star Trek movies. Oh, that's so <laughs> so insane. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Okay. But we got to start off with. I mean, is there like an especially weird thing in this movie to just start off to kickstart this conversation? I mean, the the clapping was pretty hilarious. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. that doesn't like imply a bigger thing about the world. No. You know what I mean? It doesn't like give us like real questions. The yeah. the thing the thing that Tyler was mentioning about the extreme self awareness of all the characters about their flaws that is very unusual. That like, is very Star Trek thing. Yeah, absolutely. About how they're all good at acknowledging. That I I have this weakness. My flaw that is makes this. me bad sometimes. During the movie, just going on about like, ah, uh, I'm so bitter about my son. Can the world like deal, or can history like okay. deal, go through a man here's, like here's me? How norm, here's how normal people deal with that. Someone asks them a normal question and they just freak out at them and they don't actually understand yeah. what they're doing. Or offensive. Or yeah. they or they just totally misread what the person is asking and yeah. just they're like, Oh, I have no flaws. I'm wait fine. wait a second, you ate gah? That means that you're actually like subconsciously they're saying, Oh, that means that you're a traitor. That means that I hate you. That means that I'm gonna throw my plate of spaghetti at you. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that's what they do. They don't they don't just sit around and like have a soliloquy with their first officer about you know, like, oh man, are we re- actually too old have to, there, for this world? Have there has there ever been a piece of media that has had more soliloquies than Star Trek? And I include Shakespeare, um, <laughs> especially since this one had how many references to Shakespeare? The, eight, eight different references to Shakespeare. Um, the answer is Star Trek: Next Generation. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm including all of like all the Star Trek <laughs> because because Jean Luc Picard was like. Uh, so you know the 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 second in command in Next Generation was essentially Captain Kirk, and so apparently Gene Roddenberry had this vision of this man who was even superior to the captain of original series, which is to say the Shakespearean emperor philosopher, I guess. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, philosopher king. Yeah, yeah philosopher the philosopher king. king. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. That, that was his dream. Apparently, go yeah. figure. Right. <laughs> That's pretty wild. When, when Gene Roddenberry was a younger man. He just had a different vision of somebody who was like a like a womanizer, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. The, and well, I that's think that, he was. I mean, well, and I think that fits in with all of the sci-fi of the '60s, especially. Yeah, definitely. Where if you ever read anything like the guy who wrote Starship Troopers, Sorry, Heinlein. Lesson, lesson, yeah, Heinlein's whole thing was that, and most of the other guys in the '60s is that. What about this high-minded concept? Also, I think we should have like free love and. <laughs> Society shouldn't be all hung up about who I have sex with. But also, I have these high-minded ideas. Yeah. Also, a general disagreement about fascism. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yep. But it's like a big part of their worldview is just like, oh, man, 
people keep getting mad about who I'm trying to have sex with. I bet if we solved all our other societal problems, <laughs> then I could have sex with whoever I want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then much, when Gene Roddenberry, Roddenberry became an older man, then he's like, hmm, people keep not getting my references to Shakespeare. Hold on, hold on. I bet if everybody's material problems were taken care of, everyone would get my references. Hold on. My <laughs> wife on the set, who I found on the set of Star Trek, is getting mad about all my uh, scripts that I write about sexual promiscuity. <laughs> I guess I better cut that crap better. out. Better. Better tighten it up. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, we could probably catch some people up well, here. And also, before we leave Shakespeare. Yeah, okay. The thing we kept pointing out in this movie is how the Klingon villain yes. is the guy quoting all the Shakespeare. Yes. So this guy who is attempting to ruin peace talk with humans mm-hmm. to cause further endless war against humans is, is apparently a huge fan of Shakespeare. He's like a weeaboo, but like Klingon version. <laughs> but for humans. Yeah, yeah. And he wants to kill them all. Yes. He's like like how Anglophiles are all obsessed with Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah. And he's oh man, I want, with, I want to live in a castle someday. He's an earthophile. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But, but also, he also <laughs> wants to be at war with Earth. I want. He's, he's just like, I want to just go be in a movie someday. I yeah. Think, I think he recognizes... Or at least his theory is probably that Earthlings make their best art when they're at war or about war. That's very possible. So yeah, that makes sense. He uh, wants to keep it going. Yeah. That's a real possibility. So this, this villain is the villain of Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Oh, yeah. Which we should mention. That's that's the movie we're referencing here. That's what we're talking here. about. We, we'll talk... I mean, we're going to talk about all Star Trek because... Because it's better than Star Wars. Because... <laughs> I'm not going to take that bait. And you will eventually. Because our guest today is... Has been watching Star Trek nonstop. As, I was going to say, is becoming a Star Trek weeaboo. So, uh, so when I, as, as we were all growing, growing up, our dad watched a lot of Star Trek. So, you know, it was just kind of laying dormant in my mind that I enjoyed Star Trek. We all did. Yeah, I, we, I watched a, a few episodes of Next Gen as a kid. I don't remember watching a lot of original series, but I knew... I don't either, yeah. Everyone knows the tropes a little bit. Yeah, and everyone knows, everyone William, knows who Spock is. William Shatner else. is pretty uh, ubiquitous yeah, in culture. Yep. Yeah, and he and Kirk was essentially William Shatner, yeah, right? Ab- That's absolutely. kind of a one-to-one he correlation. Would, he would admit the exact same thing. Yeah. That, you know, when you're on a TV show long enough, it's just so exhausting, you can't actually just this play This character is It becomes me. yourself. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So then after after some time, I don't know, like my personal theory is that I kind of gave up on Star Wars. I mean, obviously the prequels were a were a catalyst to it, but the the buying Disney buying Star Wars was probably kind of what really did it. Was kind of just like it killed my And you it killed your interest. Yeah, my my expectation that it was going to be something that I would always cherish. Sure, you sure. Know, you you get it, I guess. Um, I do. We've talked about the Disneyfication of Star Wars a little bit. Absolutely. I'm hoping this episode we can put all Star Trek and Star Wars talk to bed. We will. <laughs> on the pod forever. <laughs> probably good Because idea. there will never be another Star Wars movie. They're, yeah, they're going to... Yeah. That's probably We're a good done. idea. I mean, you know. And Star Trek, I think there's like... They're, they're talking about doing a fourth, but it's it's, it's messy, apparently. Yeah. I, don't, I haven't read much of it. We can get back to that, too. But I, sure. I kind of want to like lead up to... We talked about the Star Trek movies a little bit already. We had an episode, yeah. essentially, about Star Trek in general. Yeah. But I want to talk about this one specifically, mainly no because it lets us talk about just the original series, which you know way more than we do about. Very true. I, I've watched... Me and Jordan have watched like two episodes here while I've been hanging out in Minneapolis. <laughs> yep. and Which were both great. Yeah, I, they, they were the good ones. They were. And that's what... I think everyone should just watch like the ten best episodes of original series. They're all on Netflix, and I, if you just 
I guess on in Star Trek the original series, if you if your expectations are such that you're going to enjoy the show that's from the '60s, then you'll enjoy it. If your expectations are that this is old and sucks, then you won't enjoy any of it. But that's fine. You know? Yeah, it's it's a lot like Twilight Zone or like whatever, where it's like it, it's essentially a mystery of the week. Totally. Yeah. It's a little hammy. Oh yeah, that's that's certainly in, in true. A, a little. Yeah, a little yeah hammy, just yeah. just a little bit. Yeah. But if your expectations are that you'll enjoy it, then you'll find that the show is excellent, and that there aren't really a whole lot of like bad episodes, which is unusual for yeah, TV I, shows in general. And it only went three seasons, which which yeah, helps. I three think. seasons, yeah, that's not much. Um, but the movies are, I think we've we've talked about this before, but are essentially notorious for half of them being good and half of them being bad, correct, or at least boring. Correct. Do you agree with that assessment generally? Since you've seen all, would, all of the original, series? I would totes agree with that. Okay, yes. yeah. So one boring, two yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, I would say that's correct. Three, a mess, kind of. Extremely not memorable. Yeah. Four, very funny. Fantastic. Uh, Five. Five, I actually can't remember it, and I just saw it very recently. (laughs) Yeah. Six is supposed to be the send-off of the crew. So, in uh, Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, which is all about the longtime enemies in the the original series, the Klingons... Mm -hmm essentially getting to the point where they can't continue to be warlike anymore they have to sue for peace as as uh the the communists of the day or russians of the day yeah and so this was which i think i knew this going in from probably talking to you i did not um or from someone then (laughs) that this is the fall of the soviet union like a one-to-one basically correlation i'm guessing i pretty much did that in the last one that could could easily be yeah it doesn't matter yeah so this one is essentially the Star Trek crew trying to make peace with the Klingons, as well and as, someone's trying to spoil it. As well as the fact that um, in Next Generation, they are at peace with the Klingons, and so they kind of had to set that up somehow. Maybe. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think of that. So yeah. it was Next Gen. Had that started by the time this movie came out? Yeah. And nice. there's like, in Next Gen, there's even like an exchange program between the two oh, races. Oh, and that's why Worf is on yeah. the... Well, well no. He's a, he was raised by humans. Oh. But there are episodes where Riker goes and serves under Klingon in a Klingon ship. And he has to like beat people up and cool. It's actually super great. <laughs> it's like mandatory. Yep, yep. And there's one where fights. where a Klingon guy comes and like helps command the Enterprise, and everyone hates it. Obviously, awesome. He's a, he's a huge jerk. So so essentially, the Klingons are the Russians, and yeah, totally. The humans are America. Yeah. All these old soldiers have to deal with one: can we trust these people we've been fighting our whole lives? And two, what are we gonna do mm-hmm. if there's like universal peace? Yeah. yeah. What well, is it like? Is the Federation essential anymore? Which is actually an interesting, you know, because that's yeah. a lot of this is the Federation is almost like nuclear well, armament. It's like, it's like imagine you're they're kind of split up in three three um, directions, which is peacekeeping, science, exploration. Sure. And the and peacekeeping wing just won't need to happen, apparently, because yeah. these guys are our enemies. They're still like stuff. Romulans, but they're not nearly as big a deal right now, because <laughs> they're not crazy. Yeah, but but the but I guess really the point being that like yeah 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 they don't not like well, if we need don't need these anymore, then why do we have them? What'll happen to all these people that run the indeed the nuclear silo? Yeah, that's just, and the kind of eternal thing, like you know what happens if and maybe this wasn't mentioned in the movie so much, but like what if our kids get weak because they're not at war anymore and you're like crap like that? Then, oh yeah, okay. You know all these kinds of things that and it, yeah, and it's almost a little quaint looking mm-hmm. back yeah. on this as a 
set up for the end of the Cold War and everything just because, like, we didn't get rid of our army at all. <laughs> you know? It just kept getting like, bigger. Yeah, it didn't affect the amount of people who, like, nobody got fired. <laughs> nobody was like, oh, yeah, we can just, like, fire, a, like, a whole slew of generals now because who are we going to go to war against? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. Like any Star Trek thing, this is, like, the ideal version, version. Where there isn't oh, actually yeah. military-industrial complex. And this is the post-scarcity yeah. post thing yeah. that we were yeah. talking about a little bit in that the 23rd century is a post-scarcity society, so mm -hmm. since nobody needs food mm -hmm. or clothing the or... The starship industrial complex wouldn't make any sense because <laughs> nobody needs to make money. Exactly. Right. And plus, also, like, if presuming all of those things as well, like, say there's no hunger or whatever, there's often going to be a lot less child abuse. Mm -hmm. If If nobody's raised up, raised with bad parents, then, or, you know, all that kind of stuff... Is there really like there's going to be maybe some greedy people, some well, like sure. power hungry people, but they're pretty rare. And well, and even in the show, they still yeah. deal with those people, especially once you get to like next gen Absolutely. and they actually have interpersonal conflict yep. between people. Yep, and like the crew, random corruption at the top of yeah, of, for sure. Of, of and Federation. I think even the new the new movies mm -hmm. really get into that. Oh yeah, totally. Which I think is like every Star Trek reflects its time. It yeah. seems like, oh, and so and, and they reflect the absence of Gene Roddenberry. Yes, that too. right. Yeah, but that doesn't make for necessarily for interesting. It was interesting in the '60s because it was like the the entire Earth was set up as like one nation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was essentially nation to nation. And now stuff is questioning our nation in the first place, and like versus the '60s, you know, that's people still point. have faith in their in their institutions, in their institutions, them. and leaders and stuff like that. And then you know, that's a very good point. Yeah, then they had to question, start questioning that, and so even in the '90s, it was a lot more. I've, I've we were talking in the last episode we did about Star Trek about how the '90s were a lot more about Absolutely. people who are different from us and how they aren't that different after all. Like mm -hmm. it was it was a lot less about statecraft and a lot more about interpersonal relationships and accepting people for yeah. who they are, Gene even Rod if they're other aliens and stuff like Gene that. Gene Roddenberry pretty much saw the the entire goal of like the what Star Trek is preaching as like the world will get better when we start celebrating people for their differences rather than getting rather than hating them for their differences yeah and because you know that's how you get a society with different functioning parts if everyone's the same yeah. it doesn't work well and yeah. people are just born certain ways yeah well and i think even of next gen i think it's kind of interesting that it ended up being a lot more focused on them dealing with these planets who didn't have their technology like it seems mm -hmm. a lot more focused on like the whole prime directive thing and not they didn't really have like a big enemy like the yeah, klingons absolutely it was just like how do we treat these people mm -hmm. who we could easily crush which is america in the 90s yeah yeah uh, yeah actually there you yeah, go because That's like good. we we that was our uh, that was our ethical dilemmas of the day essentially was like oh well iran contra happened and that was kind of us just being a power over people in an extremely unjust way. And yeah, it was reckoning like with the last 30 years of American imperialism, basically. Absolutely. About uh, we're deciding who gets to be, who gets to have more weapons. Yes. Or more specifically of like things would come up, like conflicts. And it's like, do we want to jump in on this? The answer was always yes. But yeah, the, we did the, every time. The ethical the answer was not always yes. The ethical issue should have been, do we yes. jump in on this? Yes. <laughs> but the ethical issue actually ended up being, 
How many guns do we give them? <laughs> well, then, How then, long can we maintain this until we collapse? Yeah, but, Who knows? But then that also fits with Star Trek continuing to be absolutely about its way society. more uh, like idealistic. Because yeah. even like with the old Star Trek, of course, yeah, the, the issues that they were dealing with. Uh-huh. What do we do? You know, yeah. In real life, we already decided what we were going to do absolutely. in all those scenarios. Absolutely. So. Even though, like you know, hey guys, you know. Maybe racism isn't so great. Yeah. And then, you know, outside of that, you know. Yeah. In, in real life, that had already been yeah. decided that it was yeah. going to keep happening. <laughs> so, Which is, I think, why it's interesting to see the new Star Trek movies. Oh, yeah. Because they're, one, like, especially the second one, mm-hmm. questioning whether or not this government is legitimate even. Yeah. Or the decisions that they make are legitimate. Yeah. With, like, looking... Inside the authority itself. Absolutely. And then on the other hand, all this stuff is coming up again. You know what I mean? But more polarized. Well, not more polarized, but like polarized in a different type of way. And even even the third one, it's, you know, the one with... uh, Beyond. Yeah. Who is the guy who's going to be the new James Bond? What's his name? Idris Elba. Yes. Idris Elba. Elba, Where he's kind of the bad guy, quote unquote. And Mm -hmm. he's a former Federation guy. And it's like he was in the system that they produced... And so it's kind of like dealing with the old ramifications of the system. Like, yeah, which like, actually, now that you mentioned James Bond, that is also the plot of Skyfall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Because the the Javier Bardem's character is also a you know a former double O agent, and yeah. he gets betrayed, and now it's the ramifications of all these things we've done are coming back to haunt Absolutely. us. Absolutely, which is definitely extremely I mean, relevant to today's society. I was just gonna say easy parallel to the fact that we've been messing around in like the Middle East for the last fifty years and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> what surprise oh man Jeez. yeah why would we do that <laughs> crazy decision <laughs> so if you're that the type of person that wants to uh think about ethical dilemmas a if you're lot the kind of person who watches star wars instead maybe don't do that <laughs> hold on <laughs> okay all right i really want to talk about this just a little bit even though we've hardly talked about generations yeah i just want to say that they're two different things star trek is <laughs> Star Trek is for people who want to uh, watch. Yeah, basically. People who want to, like, watch a chess match between two people on, well, literally actually, or figuratively we'll actually reference you know the undiscovered country that we watched we were talking about the climaxes in each act about how oh, yeah. what was the title in there in in the second act basically the big action scene is everybody shuffling through all the drawers of everybody's clothes to find <laughs> yeah. a to find a uniform that had blood on it yeah yes and, and a pair of boots and a pair of boots and that's like it like this like stirring fast-paced music yes. of just like like action shots of people opening and closing drawers yeah which should that alone and and then also like the action sequence is the other actual action sequence is 60 year old guy just pulling a gun on bear hugging a giant alien until he gets to the point where he can kick him in the knees Yeah, yeah the only actual fight scene is like a prison fight where the guy is pretty much losing the entire time and accidentally kicks the alien in the balls because he didn't know that that's what that was. That his yes. genitals are in his knees. <laughs> Perfect. Or at the end, but even that too. Yeah. It's very... Oh, yeah. It's it's compared to any other kind of action thing. Yeah, not even, not even relevant. It's not action. Yeah. No. Well, that's... And that's what I think... It would be an extreme... It would be like a like a background thing in a Star Wars movie. Yeah. Well, that's the... Is that you were, you were pointing out... One of you guys was pointing out that... 
the action at the end is essentially made for people who can't run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. There's zero running. Scotty comes in and just shoots the guy. Like, yeah. uh, he just like waltzed up yeah. there. Yeah. Like, he stopped in the middle of the <laughs> stairs and came back up. Because they're all like 65. Yeah, but I think that's where I, I think I want to like stop the argument before it starts because they're two entirely different things. <laughs> yeah, really, the only reason they get compared because so they have much both have star in the name. Yeah, is the name similarity. And, and nerds grasped onto both yes. in a very different way and i suppose you know at like nerd because you know they've been doing uh like star trek conventions for forever yeah. yep and star wars convent events for forever just as long, yeah. and it's probably inevitable oh yeah that certainly. those were the two major camps yeah and that there would be a lot of overlap but then a lot of also people who were like my thing is better yeah right. yeah Really, I I but, wouldn't I wouldn't be me if I just didn't come here to stir up some crap. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and but I think like really, Star Wars versus Lord of the Rings should be the actual fight because they're way more similar. Because yeah. Star Wars is essentially fantasy, yeah. and Star Trek is basically not an adventure it is thing in the no. same way. Right, it's there's, sci-fi. It's hard sci-fi, and there's not really like a like a one like a singular protagonist mm-hmm. who is right. like like. Where it's about that person's growth. Absolutely. The new ones know? are, but, I mean, it's yeah. hardly relevant. Which, you know, people have Again, basically those, said... Again, those are a different genre movie. Yeah, and, well, and people have basically said of, like... Yeah. For, of those being J.J. Abrams's... Yeah, uh, entrance into Star Wars. Yeah, or, like, his... His tests. Yeah, his, like, test film to get Star Wars. Yes. <laughs> and he succeeded, and he got it. Like, way to go, movies. J.J. And the new movies are very fun. Well, I'll, I'll always remember the one Onion article of... Uh, Star Wars fans trash new Star Trek film as fun, enjoyable, <laughs> as like a fun, enjoyable, action-packed, you know. Yeah. Because they're not, they're, they're primarily. I'm not looking around, for fun. Yeah. I'm looking for ethical debates. Yeah, they're primarily yeah, based exactly. around philosophical, ethical debates. There's really none of that in Star Wars. That's never been the point. Yep. No. Yep. No. Well, essentially, all Star Trek movies are, not, not all, no, but yeah. most Star Trek episodes and most Star Trek movies are detective stories yeah, that absolutely. just happen to be in space. Absolutely. And they have an ethical dilemma, which is more the sci-fi element. Mm-hmm. And that ends up being the criticism of some of the Star Trek movies that people don't like as much, mm-hmm. where like the climax of the movie will be Captain Picard in a fist fight with somebody or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, one, not really Captain Picard. Yeah. Two, Two this dude's old. Well, yeah, by the time, yeah, most of the time, by the time the movies were made, they were about old people. But then, yeah, also... A lot of the the moral dilemmas weren't mm-hmm. as prominent yeah. as yeah. yeah the action Absolutely. parts. Absolutely, yeah, agreed. But with that. this movie, let's get back to Undiscovered Country. Uh-huh. So this actually does, I think, going through why this is a good Star Trek movie would emphasize really what Star Trek is about totally. kind of in the first place, totally. which is to say a mystery happens. Yeah, a mystery happens. The yep. What's the, his name? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I meant like what's his title? Oh, the, the ambassador, chancellor, the, the, the chancellor the for Klingon, Klingon, the Klingon chancellor, chancellor council, Gorkin. Yes, which is great. <laughs> sure, why not? I don't know. I'm lost, <laughs> lost already. The ambassador gets assassinated, and they frame. They think the Enterprise crew. Did. Yeah, they frame Kirk essentially. And so Kirk and the Doctor go on to the ship because they want to be compassionate. It's essentially just their their human emotions like lead them to consequences yeah and they get put on trial of taking and they, responsibility even and there and there's some and the action is essentially 
we need to solve this mystery of who set us up and why. Yep. And so it is really a detective story. And it's really well done because I didn't know. I was surprised when the reveal happens. Same. I actually, yeah. Well, and part of the, I think a big Star Trek part of it is that to solve the mystery, everybody needs to try to overcome their personal biases that they have. They have all these like moral quandaries of like Spock has like this bias towards this other Vulcan person who he's really proud of. Mm -hmm. And so he can't see that she's like, you know bad spoiler alert. so yeah spoiler uh but and kirk's thing is that his son was killed by the klingons and so he thinks that he can't trust the klingons absolutely so everybody learns the end everybody le- the, the opposite of seinfeld everybody learns everybody hugs <laughs> <laughs> they, they all they pose up on a stage really that's what we should have been talking about what's better star trek or seinfeld <laughs> <laughs> yeah we were really gonna find who's cynical and who's not that's right absolutely. yeah for real Ty, which one? I'm guessing you'd you'd take the Seinfeld side. Oh, I would absolutely uh, take Seinfeld. Obviously, obviously. But that's because I love to laugh. Yeah. I love to laugh. Even I mean, I love laughing at like weird aliens clapping awkwardly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that just killed me in this yeah, movie. Yeah, <laughs> uh, other weird stuff. Or McCoy is always good for yeah, a laugh. Absolutely, just but him making fun of the. Primarily, other... it's a thinking movie. Yeah. There are a lot, there are some good moments in the oh, movie for yeah, sure. So oh, yeah. funny. Because one of them is that there is a shapeshifter in the movie, mm-hmm. played by Iman, who married David Bowie in the 90s. So, of course, she kisses Kirk, and uh, then later on she shapeshifts into something else, and Kirk's all like, I kiss that? And he like, shapeshifts into Like into a Yeti, Captain essentially. <laughs> well, like, eventually, oh, and then yeah. and into Kirk, but before and then that. Kirk fights himself, which yes. is great. He hams it up. Yep. Oh. What, what's the term that they... Ham-to-ham combat. Ham-to-ham combat. <laughs> <laughs> It was it was really funny too, and he's just really all these dudes. They make just... a crack at the fact that he kissed what ended up being somebody that looks like himself, mm-hmm. and she's like, "I imagine that would have been your greatest dream," which is an incredible burn on Kirk. Honestly, I think some of the best, probably the best, just about the best part of Star Trek is the original series is that they all give each other so much crap. Yeah, I was shocked. We so we watched two episodes. Yeah. We watched the one where they uh, time travel back into the thirties. Yep, to Edith Keeler. Yep, and what was the other one that we watched? The goatee one. Yeah, Mirror Mirror, the one where they go to the Mirror Universe, which it becomes a big part of the evil, whole evil Spock and yeah. evil Chekhov. And man, those guys put get digs on each other all the time. Yeah, Bones is constantly making fun of Spock. Spock's Absolutely. constantly like getting in little digs at Kirk. Kirk's making fun of both of them. Yep. Well, and that's what you can do when you have everybody. With pretty distinct personalities. Yes. You know, they did a pretty good job of writing them all and different enough. And solid roles where they're not going to move. Yeah, you can write... You wrote them all different enough that you put them in any situation. And you could probably guess how everybody's going to respond. Mm-hmm. You could probably guess how they're going to disagree with each other. Yeah, totally. And you, you know... I'm not going to say the jokes write themselves. Cause yeah. Because that yeah. is part of it. But, you know. Absolutely. Well, it helps, like, make you feel like they're friends. Yeah. Because they are friends. Because that's the whole thing is that they're... They've been on the ship long enough that they're all just get their buddies now. Yeah, they all just get along and they can all give each other crap and that's fine. <laughs> and that's cool. And it's also fun that, you know, even the rest of the crew as well has those little in jokes with each other. Mm-hmm. And especially in the movies. By the movies they're all just over it. Oh yeah. <laughs> they're all old. They 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 could write themselves at that point. Yeah, they are quite they know, old. They know their own characters so well. Well, I mean, but... literally Leonard Nimoy did write True. this movie. Yeah, he yeah. made the story for this movie and four. Yeah. And I think he directed Three or something. Four. Could three be. and four. Could be. Yeah. So 
Um, and also, William Shatner wrote a number of Star Trek novels mm-hmm. that are oh, nice. considered canon. Dang, I and people, <laughs> Ross just suddenly <laughs> jumps on Amazon. Oh, what? Oh, and uh, content. <laughs> and they're apparently very well written. They're also very Kirk-centric, if I always, you can believe it. I always thought that William Shatner pretty much had the best grasp on Star Trek, but that's just me. Because he directed five, though, which is crappy. Ooh, well, that's not really his fault. That's a really bad script. I think he might have wrote it, too. I'm not sure. Could be. But, uh, Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. it's it, That's the one I just it will endlessly get a kick out of how that opens with him climbing... El Capitan in Yosemite. Jeez, that was corny. (laughs) And he's like 60 years old at that point, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Shouldn't be doing that. Well, he's like like trying to set a record. He's like, ah, darn, I'm going to miss the record. (laughs) Like, what a great humble brag. Especially great. The one thing I also really like about Star Trek is that they... They have no inventiveness in terms of anything that would happen between 1965 and today. No, absolutely or, or 1965 and the 23rd century, I should say, yeah. because like it's yeah. Of course, you're assuming that like some 50, 60 year old guy could break the record for El Capitan, as if between 65 and like 2000. There wouldn't be someone that would do better. Or that you would find an alien planet with a bigger mountain. Yeah, right? Go, go yes. Climb, go climb Olympus Mons or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> or even or even that, like within that as well, that the Klingons would be obsessed with Shakespeare and not with yeah. a guy from like 2266 or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that's and that's that's the crazy thing, is that everything in Star Trek has to reference something that we already know. And not just that, but something that nerds love from Mm-hmm. English class. Yes, that's the only thing that, like, the only culture that has mm-hmm. continued on to the other stars and planets is stuff that we all read in tenth grade. Would that be at all watchable though? If this guy in, well, I mean, one obviously him quoting Shakespeare or other things that we have about, war, like him saying "Let loose the dogs of war" mm-hmm. or whatever, like that helps develop his character yeah. but also would that even be watchable to watch a guy quote a bunch of klingon stuff and for the them to have to somehow tell us like that's like a popular klingon thing <laughs> it's like a war it's like a popular klingon war story yeah, no he's kidding. quoting it because he loves war yeah. well the thing is why do, well i guess i'm just questioning the nature of star trek now why do they need to quote something why can't they just talk like people i mean I guess he could be just like I love war. Like he, there's only so many different ways he can say it. You can. What I'm saying is the writers of the show or the movies could paraphrase some Sun Tzu or whatever. I really wish he could have snuck in. Uh, I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> That would be really funny, but the idea well, that... Well, when Chekhov said, look who's coming to dinner, that was funny. That, that was, was funny, but rad. he's also from Earth. Like yeah. that's you see, okay, fine. There's, there's like, one there's one scenario where this actually worked, and that was Khan quoting Moby Dick. And the reason is because Khan was actually born yeah. in the late twentieth century. Yes. That's cool. So Khan being like a this remnant of the he past. Was actually from the past. Being someone who would have not only read Moby Dick, but like would be quoting it all the time. Yeah. And it's cool that like Picard does it in First yeah, Contact yeah. or whatever. Well, he's, but he's that's big, kind of his character, though. Yeah, he's yeah, a philosopher. He's king. he's also he's basically everyone's English professor. Correct. <laughs> yeah, the the warmonger Klingon guy doesn't really pass as a professor of any kind. I agree well, with that. Like, if you hate Earth so much, why are you so obsessed with Shakespeare? He hates Earth because they're better. 
Oh well, that could be. <laughs> no, 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 not actually. Um, but I guess really what I'm saying is, fit. you're right. <laughs> like it's Jordan, you just you're just not high minded enough. I, that is clearly it. That I. It's just so baffling. And they, this guy hasn't read Shakespeare, am I right? I can't believe it. <laughs> but that is, they did actually say it once in either the episode we watched today or the movie mm-hmm. where Spock says something about oh, yeah. clinging to them closer than like a Nemoidian bat. And it's like, yeah. why didn't you just say bat? <laughs> yeah. Bats, Earth bats also cling. You can't have it both ways, man. Yeah. yeah like, or why, did they, why were they named bats? Why wouldn't you say... Because the trick is that one claims that basically earthlings discovered every species and they named it after their own species well or that's how it comes out when it goes through the universal translator here's the thing okay it's this is i think a problem that we just need to nail down Mm. apart from star trek specifically which is when people make references to alien things Mm -hmm. okay it's a problem because when you have like when somebody in a thing says Oh, like you, this guy swims like a duck. Yeah, you know, and it's like on another planet. Everybody always says, "Oh, what about this guy knows about ducks? What's that about?" <laughs> okay, but then so. if somebody is like, "This guy uh, floats like a gun dark," everyone's like, "That's an, uh, that's a groaner okay, to me." So the here's here's that's the, also fair. The answer is so. This is a problem in books too. Is like in in fantasy books and sci-fi books is. You can only make up so many words, yeah, and you and and introduce new concepts at the start of the book. Mm-hmm. You have to ground people to reality in the universe before you can start branching out. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's reasonable. fair. But that doesn't lend itself to making references. Yeah, the problem is that these things are all very literary, and I would you know Star Trek is also very literary. So like, sorry, I'm bringing it back up, but yeah. Star Wars does this and they don't do it much better but they at least have they at least show you the creatures which i think is part of it that's actually a lot of it when luke says i would target womp rats in my t16 or whatever you think oh we're supposed to infer from that that it's a small thing that he's targeting because he's Doing it as a brag. And, uh, you know, it has rats in the name, so we obviously get that, too. And that's something that he's describing that he did in his own life. That's Mm -hmm. not a reference. That's not like a pop culture reference. reference. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I think think putting cultural references in fictional references within other fiction seems inherently messy. You got it. We did it. Yeah, for sure. We solved it. (laughs) (laughs) So, essentially, it needs to... Well, and that I think really the problem is that it needs to be since to Star Trek is much. so literary, they're always using similes and metaphors. Yeah, and the similes and metaphors have to be believable enough, not only to us, the twentieth, twenty-first century viewers, but to something that they in the twenty-third or twenty-fourth century would also be saying, which is lends itself to this like really weird. They don't bring up anybody else, and that's even a funny thing where I just saw this reference in. Uh, Star Trek Discovery, I haven't been watching it or anything, but uh-huh. I just saw that they had mentioned this part where they're talking about all like the great sci- scientists of like the 20th and 21st century, mm-hmm. and they reference Elon Musk, Ooh, which geez. is already just like, oh, no, you messed up there. Uh-huh. Like, no go, not good. <laughs> is, is, 
Does he even count as a scientist? Yeah. Well, no, but he's like doing all the rocket and engineering yeah, stuff. I mean, I so I assume that. they're yeah. like, uh huh, the great like so minds just, of the 21st century. So he's the just, guy who who just put a bunch of money into it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's an investor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe they were talking about like visionaries or something like that. But like Maybe. either way, they reference Elon Musk, which is pretty silly. Not it, great. It, 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 I think it pulls people out of it. That's to, totally true. Like to yeah. do just like blatant. I agree with that. Fan when they service. had when they had Stephen Hawking in Next Generation, that was I was just like, mm, yeah, I guess. But but one of the other people, else. But one of the other people they reference in Discovery, which is great, is the guy who invents warp drive. Well, that's completely reasonable because he's a fictional character. Yeah, exactly. But we also know who he is. Like yeah, totally. we saw a movie about him and yeah. uh, Zephram Cochran. Yeah. In First Contact, and how he is the guy. That in that basically came up with warp drive for for Earth, and so they reference him as a visionary so, mind, and that makes sense because it's already been established. So to tie this back to the start of our podcast, there's a reason why you only induct people into the Basketball Hall of Fame after they've retired. <laughs> no, people just get mad if you don't follow that rule. That's but that's actually that's actually a great point. <laughs> I know you don't you don't put living people. As themselves in Star Trek. Right. You put in Einstein and Newton. That's fine. Yep. Or Sherlock Holmes, the yes, fictional or character. Sherlock Holmes. Or Zephram Cochran. Yes, he's a fictional man. Yeah, totally. Okay, that's good. I we think did we it. did solve it. We did solve it. <laughs> yeah, so... What can um, we solve next time? World peace? Uh, whether or not... Uh, holodeck. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> holodeck technology. <laughs> Oh, we're going to talk about holodeck technology next time for sure. We'll figure out the rules of the holodeck. Dude, let me tell you, the rules of the holodeck are completely whack. And it's like it's like how the, the, the Seinfeld thing, if uh, having cell phones would have solved all of Seinfeld's problems. It's like that, but they forget that the holodeck <laughs> yeah, couldn't solve a if, fifth of their but problems. But if cell phones were around when they made yeah, Seinfeld. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what the holodeck is like. Yeah, they like bring people back to life on the regular. Straight up. Well, not even on the regular, like three times and then they forget. Yeah, yeah, then they forget about it's it. It's unreal. That's that's basically the world breaking technology. It is. It's is like the it's like the, the the Harry Potter the uh, time, time turner. Track. Yes, time turner. Why don't they do that again? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, it's for real. That's awesome. Well, and that that is also kind of the difference of like Star Wars, like we were saying of mm-hmm. like Star Wars, this isn't a thing. It's not you about just, the technology. They get in the ship and just they're there now. Don't worry the about it. The example is of of Luke flies to to Dagobah in an X-wing. Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah. Hold well, on. Well, cuz cuz the whole thing of that is Star Wars is space World War 2 technology. Yeah. Okay. So, everyone can communicate as far as like radio goes, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. But space radio, mm-hmm. all the ships can go as far as as ships can go. But spaceships. So like he's in essentially like a fighter plane. Brilliant. And he probably has to stop and fuel up somewhere before he gets on the next thing. It's Which like is, it's like island hopping. It's like for clearly him. they would have been running on nuclear technology. So it's like yeah. he shouldn't have had to ever stop. Fusion exists, right? Yeah. Exactly. But, but just don't worry about it. Yeah. yeah. About so, but. You know what I mean? But in versus, Star Trek, worry about it. But in yes. Star Trek, there's an episode where Wesley and Picard have to like they have to go to this other space station, and it takes them like 16 hours to get there on based on impulse drives of their their tiny ship. And so it's like they have to like fill conversation for 16 hours. <laughs> that's like a plot of an episode. <laughs> that's the difference. That's the true difference between Star Wars and Star Trek. Yes, and like they need somebody. 
doing all of these minute details of mm-hmm. flying the ship. Like mm-hmm. they need a communications person. Yes. They need a science officer. They have a guy down below. And in Star Wars, it's just like there are several points where everybody leaves the cockpit to go work on stuff. Yeah. And it's like, what? Who's flying the Hold ship? On. Don't who cares? <laughs> like, don't worry about it. It's on autopilot and that's fine, whatever. It's we don't care. It's a movie. That's that's it. Yeah. It's a movie. <laughs> uh, speaking of movies. Uh, we just watched one and barely talked about it. Uh, <laughs> I'm okay with that. Yeah. I like that we get to talk about about just whatever. Yeah. Yes. This is this is truly an Erickson Brothers production <laughs> yeah. in that we just spitballed so, off in a million okay. different directions. Okay, so Ross, this is our brother Ross, by the way. We can I am finally establish that. Oh. That's that's our mystery that we were trying to uncover this whole episode that that's we finally did. Thing anyone's ever said about me. Yeah. You are in fact related to us. Oh. And so where can people find you on the internet? On the internet? Uh, my name is Ross Erickson. Uh, you can just Google me and uh, you'll probably find me eventually. <laughs> if, you wanna, if you want to get bombarded by Star Trek tweets, which I personally love, uh, you can follow Ross at Hurricane Ross. Correct. And uh, I'm sorry to tell you, but you're probably going to get bar- bombarded with more Star Trek tweets than I will because I do that constantly. It's... <laughs> There are a lot of Star Trek tweets, but I, it's great. You actually like have ranked all of the original series absolutely. and Next Gen. I, I on IMDb have rated every episode of Next of original series and animated series. That's right, and <laughs> Next Gen, and I'm getting there with Deep Space Nine. Oh, and all the movies too. Yeah. So if you actually are interested in this more than just the three of us who are doing this because we just wanted to do it. Uh, definitely check the, that out. And because the only thing I've actually watched in the last like six months is Star Trek. <laughs> do you? And so what else could I have really talked yeah. about? Do you? Okay. Do you have a link to your IMDb on your Twitter? Uh, I'll do that. You I'll, should do I'll, that I'll because that I think people would want to go and actually see the rankings. And I'll make. Stuff. I'll make that happen. We'll retweet it. Yeah, we'll we'll tweet it. So we'll retweet it from the account. 